In this week's news, Samsung's Galaxy S9 could have a display notch to accommodate a fingerprint scanner, Sony is reportedly planning to resurrect Ibo, its robotic dog lineup, and ZTE releases the foldable Axon M. All this and more on this week's episode of Bandwidth Blog On Air. Welcome to episode 95. Welcome to Bandwidth Blog On Air, the weekly podcast of BandwidthBlog.com. Tiernis, some really, uh, perhaps, uh, saddening news. I think if you uh, are a bit despondent with Apple's iPhone 10 launch and the Essential phone, considering that, at least in my opinion, both of them sport rather unattractive sensor notches at the top, the Galaxy, Samsung Galaxy S9 may reverse that pattern and have a bottom-mounted sensor notch to accommodate a fingerprint scanner. We know that Samsung has been endlessly frustrated in trying to develop an uh, embedded fingerprint scanner, one that sits beneath the display of its smartphones. What are your thoughts? Do you do you desperately hope this isn't true, or do you feel that this is a necessary cop-out at this stage? Well, I kind of feel like you know we're kind of stuck in the middle here so a lot of people were upset with samsung with the uh, the, the the rear-facing fingerprint scanner not being in the right place right next to the camera and other people really wanted it to remain in a button so we're kind of now in in the space in between where samsung said okay we can't make everybody happy let's try to kind of accommodate as much as we can and obviously with the with the infinity display with uh, the front of the device being mostly display now there isn't really space for the for the physical button anymore and this kind of comes back to the rumors we had before the galaxy s8 was launched and and similarly with the iphone 10 was the fact that we thought that we would have a fingerprint scanner embedded underneath the display so right now it kind of looks like that not just not going to be you know uh, embedded within the glass itself but it's going to be kind of like the iphone 7 and iphone 8 uh, button quote unquote not really a button but that that space where you've got the fingerprint scanner uh, do you do you also see it being like that or do you think it's going to be something different i do see it being like that and i think that's particularly upsetting considering the fact that uh, earlier this year companies like qualcomm introduced their own sensors wherein smartphone companies should they purchase those modules could actually embed a fingerprint scanner beneath that display and i think that's really what consumers want to see I can understand in one sense Samsung doing this potentially to save costs and potentially to not give Qualcomm a monopoly, so to speak, on their own devices. Uh, for example, Samsung do manufacture their own processors, the Exynos series in this regard, that should help them uh, retain a little bit more ownership of their device. In uh, comparison, however, um, I do feel that this might upset a lot of Galaxy S8 users because I think one of the fundamental uh, criticisms of the device is its rear-facing fingerprint scanner. And I don't feel the sensor notch is actually the ideal way to accommodate that. So do you think that the way that they're going to do this, I mean, uh, let's just think about the other uh, devices that have had that little notch on the screen, right? Usually it's, at, it's been at the top. So we've had the Xiaomi Mi Mix. And then we had obviously the essential phone and now the iPhone 10 having that notch at the top. And, and in the case of iPhone, I think they made really good use of the spaces next to the notch. But what about, I mean, what, what is Samsung going to do with that, with that kind of home button now? What, uh, you know, they come and go, it kind of feels like they're going backwards in terms of having a home button. Are they just going to have the kind of the back and the multitasking um, Android buttons, the, uh, the software buttons? On the sides of that or do you think there's going to be another way of using that space next to the button 
I'm glad you mentioned that because the one thing I hope that Samsung do is that they introduce some of the uh, fingerprint scanner gestures that we've seen primarily Motorola front this year in the form of the Moto Z series and beyond. I think leveraging sort of those capabilities with that sensor notch would perhaps make that space or that cutaway feel far more significant and meaningful on the device. And I really hope that they don't sort of pile on a, a, a back and recent uh, uh back and recent key next to that center because to me it would be a somewhat of a, 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 a misuse of space and in, in contrast I, I don't particularly like the way that the iphone 10 handles its uh, space next to the the sensor notch i was a proponent of the idea that that should have been sort of matte black on the interface as is the front uh, sensor notch the front uh, panel of that device in the black version so it'll be interesting to see how samsung handled this ironically i feel that the galaxy s8 is more an elegant use of space compared to what we got with the iPhone 10. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, having that display kind of not being interrupted by some kind of physical sensor or button um, obviously makes most sense to, to most people. So the question is then, if they weren't able to do the uh, fingerprint scanner underneath the glass itself, what was the right thing to do? What was the right answer? That's a good question, and I think there are multiple answers to that. Um, in my particular view, and obviously this is entirely subjective, I really don't like a sensor notch. I think the Galaxy S8 and Note 8 both have a very elegant design, perhaps, perhaps the best use of glass we've seen this year, if not in most modern smartphones. And I think, although in my opinion, Samsung's rear fingerprint scanner remains one of the most heinous aspects of the device as a whole, I think the company should rather opt for a Huawei style circular rear fingerprint scanner that is more sort of uh, in there's a sense to, more embossed within the rear panel of the device to give a better sense of depth. That's what I would do. So, so why do you think? I mean, obviously we're wildly speculating, but why do you think they actually went for that? Uh, first of all, uh, with the fingerprint scanner next to the to the camera itself, and then maybe in the new iteration, if these rumors are to be believed um, go for that notch at the bottom of the display i mean why not just do that circular fingerprint scanner which we both agree works really well i think it's a, it's probably a case of two different things the first and probably most significant is the use of space within the device and sort of mapping out the device's components we both know that for example the galaxy uh, note 8 and s8 themselves aren't significantly wide so samsung doesn't have a, a large surface area to work with here uh, secondly, of course, that a circular rear-facing fingerprint scanner is heavily reminiscent of some of Huawei's uh, um, de designs. And as we've seen at the Huawei's recent Mate 10 launch, they, they spared no energy ripping Samsung. So I don't blame Samsung for wanting to circumvent that process altogether. Tianus, one toy I was perplexed to see make a, a comeback earlier this year was Furby, which I'm sure if you recall was sort of the furry nigh-on demonic uh, toy that somehow in many homes took on a life on its own and refused to switch off or stayed on through the long hours of the night. And now another toy that actually really creeps me out has made a return in the form of Sony's <laughs> Ibo and that the Wall Street Journal reports that Ibo may be making a comeback earlier this, uh, make, make a comeback later this year. What are your thoughts? Do you think there's any space for this product to evolve in 2017? Do you think it's just another cash grab or do you think Sony's got something entirely different up their sleeves? Well, first of all, let's just kind of think about who we're talking uh, who we're talking about here. I mean, it, this is this is Japan and <laughs> we know very well that Japan 
have always been married to the electronics. They've always been, uh, you know, very, let's, let's call it um, intimate with the way that they use electronics around the home, around the office, and around, uh, you know, just around Japan. If you walk around in Tokyo, you're going to see robots everywhere. I mean, there's even a robot hotel where you literally never have to talk to a human. So, I mean, they, they obviously know their robotics really well. So I think it's not going to be launched outside of Japan. Uh, it might be a little bit of a gimmick to, to the first world co countries like the US and, and those in, in Europe. But I think we'll, we'll predominantly see it in Japan. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm not creeped out by it. I think it's really cool. I think it's very interesting. It's going to be kind of the, the, the next step of the AI revolution. How these uh, these machines interact with humans is going to be super interesting. I mean, those robot dogs in the 90s were kind of like a gimmick. And yes, they sold in Japan and they did, probably did really well. But, you know, they didn't do much. Um, and now I think... I mean, it's going to be weird having a conversation with your robot dog, but you're going to be able to do that. I'm glad you raised the subject of artificial intelligence there because that's the one natural avenue I can actually foresee for this device is that in recent years, we've had the proliferation of smart home assistants, Google Home, uh, Amazon Echo, those sort of products. And I think perhaps Sony's original iBo might have been somewhat ahead of its time in the sense that, like you say, the device was quite limited and it more or less was a gimmick for everyone who wanted a dog that they could switch off in the evenings who didn't want it to dig holes in their garden. Uh, and I think a revitalized iBo, given that Sony has, re has repeatedly expressed interest in developing its own Xperia smart product, um, products, I think iBo equipped with an intelligence of its own that might be able to connect to smart home products, appliances and control unique features within that setting could have a far greater purpose than the iBo we've seen in the past. What are your thoughts? I mean, we've seen toys like, for example, the Star Wars BB-8 uh, unit comes to mind, which is remote control, bought some other smartphone integration features uh, along those lines. Do you think there could be a greater avenue for iBo if it went into the smart home, so to speak, space? So I'm assuming you, you, you're kind of pivoting off of the you know, the, the natural implications of it being somewhat of a security accessory as well. Um, linking to your smart home, I see no reason why not. The new iBo is going to have much improved sensors. It's going to be able to listen to everything around us. Um, very much like the smart speakers in the homes uh, do these days. Um, and it, obviously it'll have its own dedicated camera, so it'll be actually uh, much smarter at moving around in its environment. So, so is, is, is that kind of what you're thinking, that the, the main market for, for, for iBo is going to be not just for the human interaction and, and, and the fun, quirky part of it, but also kind of tying into the home, a little bit of security, you know, a little bit of interactiveness when you're out of the home, you know, that kind of thing? I could see it, yes. I think security, as you say, is perhaps the natural implication. It could be an electronic watchdog, perhaps in its most elementary or sophisticated form, depending on the way you look at it. Uh, I do think, however, that just speaking generally in terms of the Internet of Things and smart devices, uh, the device as a whole could interact quite seamlessly and perhaps serve as 
Sony's first foray into developing its own smart speaker in inverted commas solution. So I think it'll be very interesting to see the way they style this product and what kind of release, whether it's just local or international, that they do give it. You just had, you just gave me a great idea. Imagine your dog is your smart speaker and it kind of follows you around the house and the and the speaker is always following you around. How cool would that I'll be? I'll go a step further. If you already have a dog, why don't you get the little guy a, a smart jacket they can wear and answer your smart queries while you're on the go? Perhaps we should start a business. <laughs> Speaking of perhaps uh, interesting business ideas, one of the developments that we've spoken a lot on Bandwidth Blog in perhaps the past two years is the development of foldable phones. Now, recently we've seen the likes of uh, Samsung and LG file patents depicting foldable phones, but now it appears that the Chinese mark ZTE has actually gotten there first using one of their uh, Axon lines, the Axon M, to bring to market a foldable phone. This is really interesting in that it sports sort of a, a horizontal hinge which unfolds this device. It, to me, it's greatly reminiscent of the Nintendo 2DS, and I think many gamers will probably buy it for that reason. But Tienis, is this what you expected when we talk of the term foldable smartphone, or does this fall off quite far off the mark? No, for me, it falls very much way off the mark. I mean, it's 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 not really a foldable phone for me. I, I mean, it's essentially kind of two slabs of phone with a hinge in between i mean it's not it's not itself folding so i think where we've spoken about the rumors and all of the things that we're expecting to see i'm going forward with the likes of samsung and and lg with the way that they want to build foldable phones you know the actual hardware is going to be foldable we we saw at ces last year and updated version this year of lg's um foldable uh, TV screens essentially the, the the screen itself is is mendable and it's foldable and it just works doesn't matter if you rolled up like a piece of newspaper so that is what I think about when I think about foldable phones and I don't think that is you know it's it's kind of I, I don't know what the market is for this device I think ZTE decided okay let's uh, let's you know why not it's kind of a why not I think it's it's there's no there's no real positives there's no real negatives it's just kind of a, a Android phone with with two screens I don't know if you differ I don't differ at all I think this device has been uh, sort of commissioned solely with the purpose of ZTE being able to claim we did it first before Samsung or any other manufacturer gets there uh, in terms of implementation, I'm quite disappointed to see the execution of the idea because of what we've seen in patents. I, I would prefer to see sort of a lockable hinge on these devices rather than a fold-out phone that makes one display far thinner in one sense. With no bezels then. <laughs> Precisely. Uh, the bezel is a huge detraction. I think naturally if you're a gamer and you're used to using Nintendo's portable consoles, you might be at more ho at more at home with that. However, I think for general uh, consumers, it'll sort of interrupt a sense of fluidity. Uh, however, the one idea which I do like, and I do feel again it is expressed in perhaps a very simple yet contrived and not entirely sophisticated way, is the fact that uh, with the ZTE Axon M, one can have use one camera module and instead use either screen to take alternatively a standard camera or a, a standard photo or a selfie. I do think that's an interesting idea. It certainly lessens the problem of integrating a front and back camera or having a different setup there, which would obviously compromise the shooting performance of one mode over the other. But I, I do hope that when foldable smartphones come to market, and they will, I do hope that the ideas expressed are far more elegant and perhaps refined than what we've seen on what I think is not even 
the, the accent M doesn't represent a generation one product, it represents a generation zero, let's call it, the first starting point for these kind of devices. I, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm even going to be a little bit more pessimistic and say that we're never going to see anything like the Axon, uh, Axon M again because it, it, it is a, uh, it's probably like some board member's kind of pet project. And, you know, I, that's not the way that foldable devices are going to go. It's, it's going to be a lot more sophisticated. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a valiant effort by ZTE being a kind of a smaller well they're not small anymore they're huge now in China especially but uh, you know not, not not a massive brand trying out something new you know you can commend that but I mean for me the only real other than obviously having the one camera as you as you just stated was the the only real use case I have for it is if you want to like share videos around a table, you can kind of have people on both sides of the table looking at the same video. I, I really can't think of any other case where I would really want to use a device like this. Precisely. It's, an, it's entirely quite limited and for a device that hinges its sole uh, claim to fame on having two screens, it doesn't do very much, I think, to, to market that proposition. Obviously, you can have the choice of uh, mirroring, mirroring or having the two, di two displays work independently. But then again, I, I kind of have to ask when both the displays are next to one, and one another, what is the point of having the same content replicated across both screens? It just screams waste to me. Uh, and like I say, obviously you have the option to tailor that, but I do feel that this is quite a poor implementation and more just a name grab for the first release of a product that most of us will probably be talking about or along the lines thereof in the next two years. So let's just then finally hinge <laughs> onto Samsung and you know the the, the rumors of what the real uh, foldable uh, phone will look like I, I mean we haven't heard much since the last uh, leaked uh, uh, patents and the images and those kind of things um, but we did get a promise a solemn promise from a director that we will get a foldable phone in 2018 what, what do you think this is going to look like well I've seen two competing patents and I wouldn't be surprised if at Samsung there were two competing ideas the one is for a device with a lockable hinge that would sport far smaller bezels than the Axon M uh, it would fold out from smartphone to uh, to a tablet form so on the basis of what the idea behind the Axon M is just executed far more well better at the end of the day um, the other is a, a far more futuristic i would say device with a more flexible rollout screen that could transition from one state to a larger sort of uh, tablet along the lines if one were to have a map and folded out on a table i think the latter is the far more exciting idea it's the far more unconventional idea and it'll be very interesting what samsung chooses to produce however i do feel just purely for logistical and production purposes that the device that sports the hinge would probably be the easier choice for Samsung to make if it were looking at selling this device in significant or at least meaningful quantities. Let's hope though it is not the latter but the former. <laughs> Indeed. Thanks very much for joining us on this week's episode of Bandwidth Blog On Air. Be sure to come back next week for episode 96 of Bandwidth Blog On Air. You've been listening to Bandwidth Blog On Air the weekly podcast of bandwidthblog.com.